talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong with black kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> wow. Wow, well, that's a great fucking intro. I love it. Nani? Nani? Sentence, I'm going to just get a fucking phlegm ball come out. Oh, oh, well, you hear the splat? Well, <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales podcast. I am your host, Mosasori, and with me to my left is my brother Josh. Yo. Sitting to my right is Achi. Yo. Today, we are done with all the gross shit we discussed last week. So you guys can sigh in relief. <sighs> and today we're going to be talking And today's the last Part of the, the series the serious. It's Part 5 Damn. It was a good run It was a good run I enjoyed it's it It's a long series Well it's five yeah. episodes it's five That is so series. stupid And um, as always Today's episode Wouldn't have been possible Without Valerie Ogden's Bluebeard Brave Warrior Brutal Psychopath Jack Smith's The Horrific Crimes of Gil DeRay And a quick shout out To Amazon Prime Secret of History Gil DeRay so, last week we covered the disgusting, vile, abhorrent acts that DeRay and his group of psychopaths would unleash on their victims. We learned how DeRay would have children delivered to his castles. We learned how DeRay loved to rape, torture, and murder innocent children. You heard us talk about how many parents would give up their children to DeRay and his henchmen hoping for a better life for them, not realizing they were handing the children over to the devil. So we left off with DeRay being arrested for the idiotic act of storming into the church, kidnapping a man he believed he was swindled by, and how this opened up not one, but two different inquisitions where the church and the duke found out about DeRay and his murderous crimes. So here's the final chapter in our DeRay series as we find out what happens to DeRay now that he is behind bars. So here's Gil DeRay, part five, the trials of Gilderay. So the ecclesiastical court would determine whether or not Gilderay was guilty of the serious crime of murdering children and whether or not him capturing the pharaoh was an act of revolt against the duke, John V. So both tribunals would be conducted at the same time with the ecclesiastical trial lasting over two months and the civil trial taking place in about just 48 hours. Unlike the trial of Joan of Arc, Gil DeRay received the utmost consideration. Even though DeRay received the great respect of his rank, someone you know was expected of, it became really obvious that the court and the trials were conducted not to see if he was guilty, but to obtain a guilty plea from DeRay. The obligation of the court to protect a suspect and ensure a fair trial had been followed in French courts. That's what they would do. But in DeRay's case, and in most tribunals when it came to searching out heretics, the accused was guilty until proven innocent. innocent. So that's different from what we, we have going on here. Exactly. That's funny. Um, in the show Sabrina, in the witch trials, yeah. like actual trials for the witches, that's how it is. It's, it's, you're guilty until you're, until you're proven innocent. 
How is how is the Sabrina show? It's pretty cool. It's pretty dark. The new it's, one, yeah, fucking you would love that show. Yeah, yeah it? it's pretty dark. I so, mean, it has its own fucking like like obviously the the, the teenager fucking yeah. drama and drama, but it's pretty fucking dark. Fucking love it. My girlfriend hates it. For real? Yeah, well, that'd be it's crazy. I, I, I was expecting that she would like it, but nope. No, I'm on my own on this one. Carry so on. even with the dry legal phraseologies of the court, the horrors that the Ray committed still stood out. In its 15th article of accusation, the court alleged that. They alleged that boys and girls had been seized, had their throats cut in cruel manner, had been butchered, dismembered, and cremated, and had been otherwise treated cruelly and shamefully by the defendant, Gilderay. The accused had damnably sacrificed the bodies of these innocents to demons, that he had horribly and vilely committed the sins of sodomy with these children, as many boys as girls, sometimes while they were leaving, and others after the death of these innocent children, and sometimes while they were expiring, that he abused both sexes, disdaining the girls' natural vessels. So when it came right down to it, the number of victims, it was uncertain. The prosecution asserted that Gil DeRay had murdered over a hundred and forty children. That's how many. That's how many children he was being tried for. At From what they know, one hundred and forty fucking children. Yeah. Damn. From what they know, and the court stated, the said Lord took many young children and had them taken, not merely ten, nor twenty, but thirty, forty. 50, 60, 100, 200, and more, such that the exact number cannot be certified. He had sexual intercourse with them, taking pleasure unnaturally and committing the detestable sin of sodomy, the horror and abomination of every good Catholic. Yeah, so, so according to 15th fucking century France, Catholics were not into... But stuff. So the way Gil DeRay killed the children was similar. And his crimes were considered so fucking horrendous that his confession and the statements of his accomplices were said to have been were said to have been transcribed at a, at a later time from French to Latin. A language that only rich ed and educated people of the time understood. Oh, shit. So, they, they, so they didn't even want the rich people knowing what the fuck ended up happening. So when it came down to the interrogation and testimony of Henriette and Corey Lou, who were interrogated separately, their account stated that they talked freely without coercion or torture. Generally, torture was only held torture was only held out as a threat at first. If the accused did not own up to their crimes, he was led to see the instruments that were going to be used. And if that didn't work, the prisoner was then stripped and if he was unwilling to talk, he was tied to the rack, which is a torture device that was used to dislocate the bones of a person and eventually tear the limbs apart. So basically oh. what a rack is, basically just a table, but they will lay flat and the arms will be tied to different levers and you just twist the levers and the arm will stretch, stretch out and then the legs and all of that. So if they weren't talking, they'll get shown the all the instruments of fucking torture. Doom. And if he said, fuck you, I'm still not talking, they throw them on this table naked, but naked. If what they were saying was not what the accuser wanted to hear, what the rack the was fuck? rotated manually, stretching the defendant's limbs, 
other torture methods were used as a threat, but neither Henriette nor Corey Lou wanted to get tortured and willingly detailed the crimes Gilderay had committed. Damn. So they were like, yo, fuck this. <clears throat> Here's what the fuck he did. He's not even a homie. Fuck this. So they described in graphic, grisly, gut-wrenching detail. They described in graphic, grisly, gut-wrenching detail the incidents. Corey Lou in his deposition explained how children were hung by the neck with ropes and cords on pegs or hooks so they'd be unable to cry out for help. Henry A stated on how the children died in his deposition, which included severing their heads, lopping off their appendages, slitting their throats and breaking their necks using a cudgel, which is basically a spiked club. That's how they would break their necks, just whacking them over and over again with these spiked clubs. He described how DeRay would cut the vein in the neck so that the child bled to death. He said sometimes DeRay would sit on the bellies of the children while they were dying, carefully observing them. That he would sodomize his victims before killing them while they died and sometimes after the child had died, only as long as the bodies were still warm. They also ratted on Gil DeRay and Brickvale who disappeared after leaving Majikul. They also snitched on some of, of, of DeRay's other hangers-on who were then detained. The court also forced Francesco Perlotti to testify, and when he did, to save his own ass, he offered evidence against his former lover. Perlotti skillfully portrayed himself as just the obedient servant, just doing what he was told to do by his deranged tyrant. But he couldn't dodge the charges of practicing sorcery and alchemy, uh -oh, which true. he had been accused of after seeing no way out. He admitted in doing so, but... Then he bragged to the court that he could summon and speak to Baron, the devil's beautiful demon. He even hinted he could summon the sexy demon for the judges if they'd like. He thought that he could fascinate the court into pardoning him, that he could summon the sexy demon for them. But the court didn't take the bait, and basically told Pilate to go fuck himself and sentence him to life at a church prison for committing heresy, sacrilege, and diabolism. Like, he was like, I can show you a trick. Yo, I can spawn this sex demon for you guys if you guys want. <laughs> and eh? Eh? and his sentence, it, it yeah. like, in Valerie Ogden's uh, book, uh -huh. she details what his sentence, like, what his sentence, what the demands were. Yeah. And what was the demands? He was only going to be able to eat rice and water for the rest of his life in prison. Rice and water. Just rice and water. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Just rice and water. <laughs> okay. It's that fucking bad, eh? Well, but yeah, this was practicing fucking, <laughs> fucking diabolism and shit. Summoning sexy demons. What if he wasn't sexy? I'm pretty sure he still get it just because he was summoning a sexy demon for his butt-fucking-loving Gilderay. A few months after his sentence, Rene, the Duke of Lejeune, who was a secret admirer of the beautiful Satanist, helped Perlotti escape from jail and protected him. Perlotti had impressed the Duke with his claims that he was just one step away from producing gold when he was arrested. Rene made Perlotti governor of a small commune. It is here that Perlotti imprisoned Joffrey Lefrun and held him for ransom. Perlotti believed that Joffrey was the reason everything went to shit for him. After being released, Ferun retaliated and he had Perlotti arrested and called upon the small cousin to make things right and hang Perlotti in the name of justice. The council agreed and put an end to Perlotti. So then he didn't even experience his prison imprisonment well he was in prison i think maybe a few months okay <clears throat> when joffrey 
I mean Joffrey when um what, what's his name when 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 Rene the Duke uh-huh. released went and released Perlotti. He was a fan of Perlotti, like my brother mentioned. Yeah. He was like, dude, Perlotti bragged to him. was like, dude, I was this close to making gold. But Dre fucked everything up for us. And obviously everyone, who doesn't want gold back then? It was True. like, oh, fuck it. Got him. We made him like the fucking mayor or whatever the hell of that small commune. Right. And Perlotti knew that Jeffrey was the one that fucked everything up for him. Remember, Jeffrey Laferone was the brother of Jean Laferone. John Ferron was the guy that Duray went inside and grabbed the church from. Yeah, Remember yeah, he went inside the church? Uh-huh. So Perlotti's like, dude, fuck this guy. And he got Joffrey, and he held him for ransom. Got yeah. the ransom, left, thinking, all right, we're good. Because he was with Duray. He saw Duray was doing all the shit. So he thought he could, you know, flex and do the same shit. Right. But Joffrey's like, nah, 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 buddy. Go fuck yourself. And he went to the court and told him, hey, this motherfucker escaped from jail, and he kidnapped me. We need to kill him. And he retaliated and got Pilati and they hang and they hung him. Damn. That's what he gets. And that is the end of Pilati. That's it. That's it. That's mm. it. No more butt fucking. Mm. Since Blanchette, the forty year old priest that helped DeRay recruit Pilati. R.I.P. R.I.P. Nah, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> so IP? No. R. No. Fuck that guy. <laughs> IP? <laughs> R? Wait, no. Suck a dick. Anyways, was not accused of being accessory to any murders, and neither DeRay nor anyone mentioned the priest in their description of any of the crimes. He didn't receive a prison sentence. But he was banished from France for life and fined 300 gold crowns for his association with DeRay. No one knows what happened to Blanchet after this or where he spent the rest of his days. So... Blanche, he didn't do anything fucking wrong. He didn't do anything. I mean, I mean, maybe, uh, I, mean I mean, he all right. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't fuck with children like these. These assholes. Assholes did. Fucking monsters did. Okay. Imagine you get banned from your fucking country, and then get fined three hundred gold crowns. That's a shitload of money back then. Yeah. How the fuck are you gonna pay that back? Imagine, imagine if fucking California is like Achi, go fuck yourself. But before you do, here's a fifty thousand dollar fine. Fuck, peace. <laughs> I'm out. How do, you, how do you pay that? Do you pay that before and then leave? So is it banishment immediate? Like if I'm banished, y'all can fuck yourself. <laughs> fuck <the money. laughs> I'm out and I'm out. So the witnesses and the accounts on having lost loved ones kind of showed you how poor simple folk of that era lived beggars bakers cobblers grape pickers shoemakers tailors farmers they all testified and they wept as they described what happened to their children hungry and malnourished most people craved food money proved to be an incentive as well Perone Lozert gave up her handsome son to the marshal's men for the price of a new dress settling for four crowns instead the lower class were not supposed to speak to the nobility. Nevertheless, Perone had second thoughts about letting her son go live with DeRay after his servants tricked her. She confronted DeRay as he led her boy away on the little pony. DeRay told her her child would be taken care of as he found the young one to be as beautiful as an angel. A phrase heard over and over again when he would describe his dead victims. A few weeks later, Perone spotted another young one on the same pony as her son. 
She asked one of DeRay's henchmen what happened to her child. They told her he drowned in the river when a strong wind caused him to fall off the pony. So in its first preliminary encounter with Gil DeRay, the court made it seem like they weren't trying to make sure he was guilty and to use torture to obtain his guilty plea. Up to this point, DeRay thought his only charge against him involved heresy, which he thought he would be able to clear his name. But when it came to the accusations of heresy, it was mandated that a vicar, which was basically a deputy of a bishop, had to be included in trial. And with heresy, the accused could not have an attorney present during the procedure. So he can't have anyone, he can't have his, his attorney. Because remember, he's not innocent until proven guilty. He's already guilty. He's already guilty. He has to prove to the court that he is innocent. So they're not going to give someone to help you out. Sure. They want you to, to, to convince us that you're innocent. So at first, DeRay agreed to appear before the vicar of the French Inquisition and even went as far as bragging that he was ready to prove his innocence. DeRay was not taking any of this seriously and why should he? He was raised to believe he was above the law. His I don't give a fuck attitude was so prevalent that he didn't want to establish a defense. He really believed that he was going to get out of this scot-free. The court adjourned and DeRay was sent back to his room. The court forbade DeRay from drinking. So the trial against DeRay began at 9 o'clock in the morning on October 8th, 1440, open to the public. It took place in a dark large room in the grand upper hall of his castle of Nantes. Every available space in the large room was filled hours before the trial even began. Everyone from peasants, artisans, nobility, to nuns, priests, and monks, they all jammed themselves into the courtroom. Many of the people present cannot speak or read Latin, but as my brother likes to say, they love drama. Hell yeah. And love drama. You'd Let's be, go, baby. You'd be one of those people watching the trial, too. Yep. yep. And they Let's understood the importance of the event at hand. So, hold on. This was taking place in his own castle? In one of his own castles. That, remember, because everything was taken away from him. Yeah. Also, it's not even his anymore. It's not it, but it was one of the castles where he Damn. was doing all the killings. Damn. That's a flex right there. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, we're going to take away your shit. And not only are we going to take away your shit, we're going to try you in your own fucking castle. Sucks to suck. So Gilda Ray, he was in for a rude awakening. Remember, up until this point, he thinks the only thing they have on him are charges of heresy. And he, and he, thinks he still only thinks that? And he thinks he's, gonna, he's going to be able to pull rank and just get away with maybe a slap on the wrist. But with the court drawing on the reporting, plus the civil accounts, which had hundreds of accounts, accumulating a great mass of fucking evidence against DeRay, DeRay was soon going to realize what he really is up against. With the accounts taken into account, DeRay's crimes, which would be presented at a later time during the trial, accumulated to 49 articles of a bill of indictment. Listening to his indictment and the accusation against him, DeRay was furious when he realized he was being <laughs> tricked and wasn't only being indicted for committing heresy. DeRay declined to answer the charges, determined not to let the prosecution have its way with him. He went as far as trying to attempt to stall the whole trial, hoping the King of France might step in and rescue him because of his rank and his bravery for defending his country. Nope! <laughs> DeRay declared he was appealing the hearing because he questioned the legal competence of the present judges. He even wished to void his initial consent to be tried, but the Bishop of Nuance overruled his demands. John, John de la Malestroit, the vicar, walked up to DeRay and stated that the church, along with the state, not, not the accused appointed the judges, the court then adjourned for a break 
which was a custom during this time that members fast from sunset of the previous day in order to have clear minds when they presided over a case. What? Which I, is fucking weird. I'd be hungry the yeah. entire time. I feel like that'd be... That's kind of it's back- counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right? It's counterintuitive. I mean, I mean, I guess. I mean, I'm not judging. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean I, I'm low-key kind of judging, but nope. DeRay was... <laughs> DeRay was then sent to his room where he thought about whether or not he should admit to his guilt and beg for mercy or just say fuck it and deny all charges. He didn't know if he should use his nobility and rank as a defense. He didn't know what to do because he didn't really know how much the court and the judges So he's afraid to say anything. Anything. So... They told the. They didn't tell the Ray what he was being charged for. They just said we have forty nine indictments. Forty nine, and he was mad because he's like, "What the fuck? This is just the more trickery." Than- <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, he was he was mad as shit. So this, so the way they described it, he would put. So when they announced all this, he was a fucking being a brat. He put his arms, he crossed his arms on his chest and just started beating his foot, telling him like, "Come on, hurry up! Nope, I'm yeah. not answering any questions. I'm not answering any questions." And the only thing he would say is like, "How can you guys fucking judge me?" You guys are probably crazy. He's like, I'm going to need a new judge. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need new judges because you guys are all fucking stupid. And that's when uh, the vicar stood up. He's like, no, no, no. We choose who's going to judge you, not you. So shut the fuck up. Damn. Put him back in his place. You, put him, put you him. ain't going to do and shit. So they sent him to his room. Go to your room. <laughs> 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 Dude, and DeRay, like my brother just mentioned, he's shitting it. He's like, yo, he doesn't know what strategy to use. He's like, should I just pull rank on them and say, fuck you, look who the fuck I am? Yeah. La, 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 la. Or should I just say, fuck it? I fucked everything up and I'm sorry. He doesn't want to do the second one because he's not sure if they even know about the murder. Yeah. So he. Because he's like, <laughs> um, add, add that into the courts. That's uh, article number 50 now. I'm, and I'm going to get to that. <laughs> I'm going to read some of these articles. So he's, he's freaking out. And all of, remember, all of this is going on while he's not drinking. He spent years drinking every day and night. Every single hour of every single fucking day was spent drinking. And now it's like two, three days in a row with no alcohol. So his mood is, he's super temperamental. He can't drink. He's freaking the fuck out. He doesn't know what to do. These motherfuckers are pissing him off. He's pissing everybody off. It's a fucking mess. Hell yeah. yeah Sounds like drama. Yeah, people who are hungry. Yeah, people that are sober. And then you have this fucker. The fucking court's hungry and this was thirsty. It's a mess. Horrible. So when the court reconvened, DeRay immediately told the judges to hurry things up because he had things to do. Oh. <laughs> like, you know what? Keep going. Uh, but make it quick. He wanted to give himself over to the service of God. He said he wanted to donate a large amount of money to a church in Nantes and most of his belongings to the poor. What belongings? <laughs> The presided, the the presiding civil tribunal told DeRay, "Yeah, that's nice and all, but you still need to answer to us." After some back and forth, the court adjourned, and guards took DeRay back to his living quarters. The balls of DeRay came back and was like, "Come on, man, speed this up! I got shit to do. I got wow. money to give. I got churches to go to. Hurry the fuck up!" And then like, "Shut up, shut up. That's nice, but shut up." <laughs> so two days later, the court sat down to proceed with the trial and render a verdict. A priest from the Church of Saint Nicholas, Guillaume Chapillo. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I, dude, I've looked up this fucker's name. Does it come out? Yeah. There's different pronunciations of it. There's Guillaume. There's Guillaume. There's Guillaume. 
and his last name Shapio. The Shapio, Shapeo. Like, so I'm just gonna say Guyami Shapio because it's easier for me. There you go. So the priest from the Church of Saint Nicholas, Guyami Shapio, became the public prosecutor of the case. Crowds of people jammed the streets to see the prisoner, who they once saw as a hero walk to the castle nuns. The trial of such a famous man was astonishing, and DeRay was high drama, as Gil DeRay did not disappoint his audience. DeRay, with his head held high, arrogantly acknowledged his judges, dressing for the occasion in white from head to toe. He was, oh. like, he was like Cisco. He's a fucking saint. He wore a tight-fitting oyster white stocking, a snow-white silk shirt, an eggshell white vest with flake white boots. His pearl white silk doublé was embroidered with gold, with gold stars. His, his, his cap had ermine borders, which is with the sign of a very high feudal lord. A dagger in red velvet sheath hung from a scarlet sash tied around his waist. He also showed off all his military and official medals on his breast. A gold chain around his neck displayed a container of holy relics. So this fucker's like, look who you're talking to. He walked in all white. Dude, I'm pretty sure he looked amazing. He walked in all white, just different shades of white. Fucking the thing that was interesting was that gold chain around his neck. Uh huh. He was, he was fucking. He was like a rapper before rappers. This dude has a gold chain, and that thing he had was was basically a small little um, cabinet on his gold cabinet on his chest, filled with holy relics. In that little holy relics, he had the splinter of the wood from um, the cross. Oh, okay. He had beads. He had everything. He had a bunch of shit inside that his gold cabinet. Inside that little cabinet. So this dude, he had that. He had his all his metal sprayed out. This dude walked in like I'm a ma- like fuck you guys. So the proceedings then began with all the written charges, which were 49 articles of the bill of indictment, which character which characterized Deray as a murderer, a heretic, a magician, a sorcerer, a seer, a cutter of throats of innocence, a sodomite, an evoker of evil spirits, a diviner. And a violator of the church, as well as a criminal, as well as a criminal, a backslider, and an idolater. Everyone from DeRay to the lonely beggar in the back of the room heard the entire document. Articles 15 through 49 detailed the crimes of which DeRay had been accused of. Very specifically, they covered the abduction and murder of children. Article 15 alone stated The prosecutor says and intends to prove Gilda Ray, touched by an evil spirit and unmindful of his salvation, seized, killed, and murderously slit the throat of many innocent boys and girls, which things he himself did as after as he had accomplices do them. That he caused them to be seized, murdered, and also to have their throats cut. That he had the bodies of these innocents burned and reduced to ashes. This particular charge implied that Gilderay had also evoked demons and made sacrifices to evil spirits. The next two accusations dealt with the explicit invocations of the devil on Deray's behalf. These took place over the course of five years in a basement room in the castle of Tifuge. This indictment singled out Perlati, since he bragged to the court during his conviction. Remember, he's like, oh, if you guys want, I can summon a demon for you. You want to see a sexy devil? Stupid ass. It also mentioned John de la Riviere, one of the older magicians, the one. I think John was the one who walked in and went like went into the field and started slamming his sword. 
Oh yeah. Remember yeah, when he yeah. started slamming the sword on his armor to make, and then he like said, "They're coming!" And the jaguar's coming. I think that's John. I think I'm almost positive. I'm not. I'm sorry. You guys go listen to episode three. <laughs> I mean, to part three, episode thirty-nine. <laughs> it's been a while already. Article seventeen through nineteen and twenty-six describe the place where the invocations took place. So here are a list of uh, five places. Number one, in a meadow about a mile from the fortress of Tefuge. Number two, in a meadow near the walled town of Jocelyn. Number three, in La Suge House in the, in the city of Nantes. Uh, number four, at the inn with the sign of the Golden Cross in Orleans. And number five, as well as the castles Montague and Tefuge. Yeah, Montague and Tefuge. Montague. The thirteenth count blamed Deray, blamed Deray's sin of sodomy on his ridiculous drinking of fine wines. It stated that he drank nothing but strong wines and ate rich, spicy food in order to become more sexually aroused and stimulated in order to enjoy performing sodomy fully on boys and girls. So they blamed him drinking and the spicy food to for him getting his dick hard so he could go and do all these disgusting things to these boys and girls. I don't know how that works, unless uh, unless they're talking about um, what's, what, what Larry David show. Kirby enthusiasm. Kirby, yeah. have you guys seen that episode where for he sure. gets he he's, he he knows this guy? This guy's been inviting him over to his house for the longest times. I think so. Yeah. Whatever. He's at this dude's house. He doesn't want to be there, and they start talking about Tabasco. He had, so he, we walk see him and his wife walk in. And they see Tabasco bottles everywhere. And they're like, okay, these guys motherfuckers been like, Tabasco. Yeah, Big yeah. fan of Tabasco. And then it turns out that the dude who invited Larry David, uh-huh. he does porn. And he, and then he starts talking about, and then one of them was like, oh, tell him your Tabasco story. Tell him your Tabasco story. Like, oh, well, in porn, one, one of our tricks to get our dick hard is to cover your fingers in Tabasco and shove it up your ass. So the spiciness would just keep getting your dick hard. And, and like he's, I, I, I think while he's doing it, uh, he's putting like Tabasco in his food or some <laughs> shit. What the fuck? So I guess spicy food works. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know. But they blamed all. They put. So that's a separate article in itself. That's a separate not, article. Not just sodomy, but. They're to the count like this guy drank nothing but strong wines and out and fucking spicy, spicy food, food. So he get his dick hard. Articles 27 stated that Gil DeRay's actions of sodomy and murder were cruel and horrible. It revealed that he committed these abominable sins before and after the death of his victims, which shames the heavens. He abused the children unnaturally in order to satisfy his illicit desires. The 29th accusation stated that the sin of sodomy caused earthquakes, <laughs> famines, kidding me. and plagues somewhere here on <laughs> earth. So the, so the prosecutor, after reading all 49 of the articles on the Bill of Indictment, forcefully demanded that Gil DeRay be found guilty of the crimes to be excommunicated and be punished as the law required. This dude read all these fucking articles in front of DeRay, in front of everybody. Half the people in the crowd don't even know what the fuck is going on, but they're still there. They're like, oh, that's my brother. We love drama. This dude's all, this dude's all in white. <laughs> What's next? So he's reading all this shit, and, and he... So the way they described it, he's reading it not to DeRay, not to the crowd, but to the judge. Yeah. And then he turns around... And then he goes, this guy should be guilty. He just turned around and points at DeRay. Yeah. And then the crowd gasps like, <gasps> DeRay fucking loses it. dude. He lo- now he finds out exactly what the fuck he's being tried for. He's he like, fuck, 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 fuck. I didn't do half of these. I mean, I didn't do any of these. When it was his turn to respond, 
He told the judges to go fuck themselves. Shaking his fists, he screamed that he was being insulted to have to appear before a court of simoniacs. And a simoniac is the buying or selling of something spiritual. Like, for example, the name is taken from Simon Magnus, who tried to buy from an, from an apostle the power of healing. So he's accusing them of not being real Christians, just being, being just like thieves who just faked your shit. Mm. So he's, go fuck yourselves, you fake piece. He's just fucking but tearing, frauds. Them, just tearing them a new one. Basically calling them frauds in front of everyone. Two guards had to be, had to intervene and try and restrain him, but he broke free. His tantrum continued as he continued to insult the court. He stomped his feet, saying out loud he would rather be hung by a rope than breathe in the same room as these fucking idiots. DeRay was going in. He's like, fuck you. Your mustache is ugly. He's just ripping them a new one. Everyone, fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. <laughs> At one point, he raised his left hand oh, shit. and smashed it down on his thigh over and over again. Berating the judges on how they could permit these infamous accusations. This dude's losing it. He's just slapping himself like, how in the fuck are you going to be doing this in front of everybody? Dude, he's looking like a fucking little kid. I pictured Hitler for some odd reason. So the high Carry hall on. was total chaos. Hell yeah, drama, drama. The Love me some drama. The crowd was split as some of them berated the judges. While others be ready to build the red. Really? So some of the people in the court were like, yeah, yeah, fuck you. And then the other crowd's like, with the court, they're going, they're pointing at the red. No, 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 fuck you. Yeah. So everyone's losing it. It's no, total no, chaos. No, no. Fucking free for all. <laughs> the fucking yeah. race still slapping his fucking fucking thigh and doing all this shit. And then complete silence just ensued when an experienced prosecutor rose. Master Chapion. Oh. He just got up. Everyone knew who's Everyone knows who this dude is. He gets up and everyone's like, oh, shit. shit. He stays quiet. Big dick energy, bro. Everyone guy. sensed it. They saw the aura. They're like, oh, Big shit. Energy. That's the old chub. Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> and, in a me- and in a measured voice, he turned to the judges and asked whether or not they would like for DeRay to respond to the charges, orally or in writing. Then proceeded to have the charges read to him in, in both Latin and French and asked DeRay, four times to answer the charges. DeRay ignored and ignored and ignored all his questions. So at this point, everyone's losing their minds and this dude just gets up and everyone shuts up. He walks to the middle of the court, he doesn't yell, doesn't do anything, and he tells the court in a measured voice, do you want him to answer in paper or in, in writing or, 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 or for him to say it? Yeah. And they looked at him and they were just like, it doesn't matter. And he asked DeRay four different times. You want to answer in paper, or do you want to say it? You want to have your answer, and he said, and he's like, no. So he's like, all right. And then he had the forty-nine bills of indictments read to him again in both French and in Latin. He had him read it over and over again to him, and Duray was just still. How intimidating would that be? You know, you cause the ruckus, and this dude just stands up, brings silence to the fucking court. Walks up to you in the measured voice. He just tells you, "Do you want to answer it, paper or out loud?" Or out loud. And he's giving you a chance there, basically. So Duray, he ignored and he kept ignoring and ignoring and ignoring his questions. 
and then finally responded with, Nine, nine. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he actually said, I will tell you again, I have nothing to say. Don't I know the Catholic faith from end to end? Do those who say I have betrayed it and know who I am? I'm a perfect Christian and a good Catholic. The court then held the rank in contempt. Cow bluff on that one. Immediately excommunicating him. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I had enough of this. They're like, you're fucking done. You're excommunicated. You're done. done. You're done. And so during the Middle Ages, all Christians feared being excommunicated, of course. Those who were feared they would be condemned forever going straight to hell when they died. The church devised a detailed catalog of endless tortures and punishments for those in hell. Quote unquote, they lived in flaming fire, half starved in pits, and were chained to a burning lake. Unquote. Article 27 in the trial of DeRay's mentioned hell. Here on earth, those excommunicated could not attend church, be married, buried, or receive the last sacraments. If anyone held the excommunicated, then they would be excommunicated as well. And this sentence immeasurably changed Gil DeRay. So this was a big deal for Christians. You couldn't get married, you couldn't get buried, anyone holy sacrament, you couldn't do anything. And freaking trash. DeRay, during this whole time, he still believed deep down that he was a good Christian. Yeah. He believed that everything he was doing was just like, um, it's just a small, the the the, children, the murder of children, all of that, it wasn't him. He was he didn't want to do it. It was just because it was just because of the devil. And he and back then it's like if you repent, you're gonna you're, you're good. God's gonna forgive you of your sins. You could do all this stuff as long as you say, "Oh, I'm sorry." Yeah. So when you get so when you say that this sentence immeasurably changed Gil Ray, it fucking changed Gil Ray. So two days later, during his fourth appearance. Gil Ray behaved very differently. Some say that the toll of him not drinking for this long was finally getting to him, while others say him being excommunicated really affected Ray down to his core. Sobered him real quick. Ray tearfully accepted the, the jurisdiction of the court, and he begged for the judges to pardon his insults and remove the right of excommunication, which they did. He then accepted and took the oath of truth. DeRay then admitted to all of the crimes of which had been charged, except he refused to acknowledge that he invoked demons. He said, I did everything, but I did not invoke the I did not invoke demons. Me personally. I, yeah. Which is, I guess, true. It's right? true. Yeah. But st- you know what I mean? But he wanted that money. So while the court was swearing in DeRay, the prosecutors brought in Henry A. and Corey Lute, the priest Blanchet, the conjurer Perlotti, and the old piece of shit lady that kidnapped children for DeRay, Perrine, as witnesses. With every single one of them also taking the oath of truth, DeRay acknowledged and consented to abide by the depositions and agreed to accept further accusations put forward by the court. As the jailers led his accomplices away, DeRay fell to his knees sobbing, clasping his hands and swaying back and forth. He begged the bishop and the court to please lift the sentence of excommunication upon him in writing. The judges saw a Christian man in pain, stricken by conscience. They were overjoyed to help him. They instantly agreed to DeRay's wish, even though the sentence had already been removed. And then the court adjourned. Fuck this guy. DeRay lost it. 
Fuck this guy. A few days later, the court reconvened. The bishop asked Gil DeRay if he had any objections to any of the in to the indictment. DeRay had none, and consented to the publication of all the testimonies. Damn. DeRay DeRay's acknowledgement became his confession. The prosecutor requested that the judges apply torture to assure the sincerity of Gil's admission <laughs> and to learn more about the crimes of the accused. After a few moments, the court agreed that torture should be used. So DeRay said, yes, I did it. Yes, I did it. And then the fucking prosecutor's like, let's torture him just to make sure. Let's make sure he's telling the truth. And the court said, yeah, let's do it. Then the next morning at 9 o'clock, as DeRay entered the room, he begged for the judges to put off the torture. He said he, he said he would confess to all his crimes, but only on one condition, that he would only do so in a room far away from the crowd and the chamber they were in. The judges agreed. So this dude's done. He's That's like, it? that excommunication thing got to him. Fuck them. That same day, at around 2 o'clock, DeRay detailed all his crimes in precise and lengthy statement to the bishop and Pierre in his living quarters. He admitted to the horrors of which he had been accused of. Totally overwhelmed and confused by DeRay's confession in Latin, Pierre kept pressing DeRay. He tried to understand where, why, and how DeRay could come up with such disgusting atrocities. DeRay, seeing Pierre's expression of disgust and disbelief, now responded in French. DeRay claimed that he alone thought up of the acts purely for his own pleasure, for his own sick delights. Like both of his henchmen stated in their confession, DeRay told Pierre he believed he had been born under the curse of the blackest star, the curse of the black planet. The curse of the black planet. Oh, the thing that he kept on complaining about, right? Yep. He yep. Said, yeah. Which is episode 38. Episode 1, part 1, the curse of the black planet. There you go. DeRay believed it maliciously influenced him and made him commit these acts of devoid of morality that are beyond reason. In great pain and in a voice that cut right through through those present in his chambers, he admitted that no one in this world is capable of understanding my life's deed. No one on this earth is able to act as I did. Six prison attendants then escorted Perlotti into the room. As soon as DeRay saw Perlotti, he started to weep. After DeRay had controlled himself, the two gave the same account of the invocation made to the devil. They detailed the offering of a little baby's hand, eyes, and heart. At his hearing, Perlotti admitted to taking part in the offering, but insisted he had anything to do with the murder. Perlotti was then taken away. DeRay embraced his co-conspirator, his lover, and passionately kissed Perlotti in the mouth. DeRay bid Perlotti farewell and began to sob again. And I quote, Goodbye, Francis, my friend. Never again shall we see each other in this world, but I pray that God give you plenty of patience and understanding and be sure, provided you have plenty of patience and trust in God. We will meet again in the great joy of paradise. Pray to God for me, and I will pray for you. And that's when Perlati was Gigi? No, no, they took Perlati back to jail. This is before he, this is... Before that other, before yeah, before that Red A came in. I gotcha. 
Damn. So, so DeRay's turn. That's it. The next day, you think they added another article for kissing Perlotti? I'm pretty sure. Because remember, it was illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 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 fuck you mean like right now? Like he's at yeah. 49, yeah. he kissed him like, oh, we gotta <laughs> they flip the page over 50. <laughs> uh, put it down. It's uh, number 50 now. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like he fucking just said that in the speaker. Uh, add Dankman 50. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, uh, judge, we're going to put it on to judge. Number 50. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, add another one. <laughs> over. <laughs> People at the time are like, what the fuck are you doing? So the next day, DeRay gave his official confession to the court. He was dressed in all black. DeRay then read his public testimony, the culmination of his trial, to the huge crowd that had gathered in the late afternoon. DeRay began tearfully speaking in French, his voice very weak. With chilling precision, he traced his tortures, sexual violation, and murders. He admitted that he committed these offenses solely for his pleasure and evil delight. He stated, no one had urged him to commit any of these acts. His impulse started the year his grandfather died, the year he returned from his military service. He offered more specifics regarding the different types of abuse he had the children suffer, even though he could not recall himself the exact number. The audience listened to the tortures he and his henchmen applied to the young victims. So some of the things that he would do included amputating, separating the heads from the bodies with daggers and knives, Striking heads with violent blows of the club, binding other victims and hanging them from an iron hook or spike, so that would be strangled or languished there. And he also named all those who participated, which included Gilda Sill, Roger de, Bic de Brickville, Henriot, Little Robin, and a few others. Little Robin and a few others is just there weren't anything big. Just randoms, like, like every once in a while. Well, you know how you would go from castle to castle? Yeah. We had different people going from castle to castle. And Little Robin was one of those people. We would go inside this random castle. He's like, hey, you come here. Come help me out. Uh -huh. Grab this little kid. Cool. It's like, you know, it's just not big to the story. Just another person that helped DeRay out. Mm -hmm. DeRay then confessed that he sodomized these children. Sometimes before, sometimes during, and sometimes even after their deaths. He further confused the crowd when he said that while the children were languishing, he took pleasure in sitting on their bellies and watching them die. He told the crowd that he even laughed about the children suffering with Corey Lou and Henriette. How he would kiss the already dead children and like to decide which of them had the most beautiful head. He also enjoyed opening their bodies so that he could look at their internal organs. At the end of his confession, he urged the people to revere the church. Had he not remained faithful to the church, the devil would have stolen his soul because of the enormity of his sins. DeRay spoke to all parents in the great hall with intense emotion. He told them to be strict, to bring up the children with virtue and religion. They should not follow the example of his youth when he went unchecked as he wallowed in luxury and idleness. He pleaded to the fathers to dress the children modestly and not tolerate laziness, for laziness caused many sins. He emphasized that his laziness and the frequent consumption of wines kept him always excited and led to his crimes. So DeRay's confession paralyzed the crowd even the judges and the priests. DeRay's admission that killing children gave him more pleasure than having sex with them uh, stupefied the audience. During the most demonic part of DeRay's confession, the Bishop of Nantes crossed himself with his right and then covered the face of Christ 
on the crucifix with his left. That's how gory this shit was. He's doing this shit. The priest is like, oh, shit. They start doing the cross. There's a Virgin Mary behind him. And he covers the Virgin Mary. He's like, oh, you don't need to be seeing this and shit. After his testimony, DeRay wept uncontrollably. He asked for pardon from God and for uh, charity in the prayers of his victim's parents. 15th century Christians believed the worst sinner could receive God's mercy if he truly repented. DeRay's confession was accepted by the ultimate repention. DeRay was embraced by the Bishop of Nantes, and he told that DeRay he hoped the Almighty God be pacified by DeRay's remorse, that his tears would purify his soul. DeRay's visible suffering moved the entire room. Caught in the spirit of the Lord, they all knelt to pray. So during the room, DeRay loses it. He starts praying. He says, I'm sorry. And they all felt sorry for him. And then they all just started praying for him. It's not really known if DeRay actually felt guilt in his heart. Or like many serial killers, his confession was just merely more calculated. He could have played on the sympathies of the court. Playing on his fall from grace and avoiding condemnation. He... DeRay used his remorse to gain sympathy from the church. His penance was so persuasive that the court overturned his sentence of excommunication and even allowed him to direct his own execution. The tribunal found Gilles DeRay guilty of heresy, apostasy, and the invocation of demons. He was also convicted on performing sodomy on children as well as violating ecclesiastical immunity. They granted requests for permission to confess. Gilles DeRay's trial ended. Later that day, DeRay faced the civil authorities. The civil court went through all the charges of murder and rebellion by DeRay against the Duke. Pierre directed the inquiry with over 80 witnesses testifying, most giving painful accounts of the disappearances of the children. And in an effort to seem independent from the ecclesiastical court, the civil court appointed DeRay a lawyer, Henry Machineau, to speak in DeRay's behalf. As DeRay stayed in his chambers, DeRay's attorney had a fucking hell of a job ahead ahead of him trying to provide DeRay's innocence. He tried to prove to the court that DeRay was crazy and that only a madman could have done the things he did. Stating that the heroic warrior had snapped, he asked for leniency but the court paid no attention to him. A unanimous guilty verdict had been a, for, had been a foregone conclusion. The court already had DeRay where they wanted him. They felt justified in sentencing DeRay to death for the murder of the numerous children. The only problem the court had was in determining how they would carry out the sentence and after a few moments of going back and forth with some people on the panel asking for the decapitation of DeRay it was decided DeRay would be hanged and burned in addition to the sentence DeRay would be fined 500,000 gold crowns <laughs> how are they <laughs> going to collect this? <laughs> how would they collect this? one he's does dead he, does two he have any more property? Everything. they took everything from him they took everything DeRay was informed of the court's decision by Pierre and he received the verdict calmly and then thanked Pierre. It was possible that after his gut-wrenching confession, DeRay was finally at peace with himself for the first time in a long time. DeRay had only three requests. And the first request is that Henry and Cordelieu have already been sentenced to death, be executed with him so that they would not think they alone paid for his crimes. Number two, that his body be taken out of the flames before he was reduced to ashes, which it was believed back then that this allowed the possibility of resurrection on the final day of judgment. And number three, and that he be buried in the Carmelite Church of Mons, a choice resting place for nobility, 
and that the Bishop of Nantes ordered the citizens to pray for his soul before his execution. None, no one of political or social importance attempted to rescue Duray. His family never petitioned the king, who was so easily persuaded as we all came to know. The king was not even counseled to save his one-time marshal of France, for Gilderay's actions had made France weep. And so then hooded priests in black, white, gray, and brown robes em emerged from the castle of Nantes, reciting the Psalms for the dying. In the bleak chill morning, they solemnly walked behind the very big ebony crucifix holding flickering candles. On October 26 of 1440, the very next day after the verdict was given, an enormous crowd of nobility and common folk gathered for the execution of Gil de Rey, now 36. The whole city flocked to see de Rey brought out in chains along with Henriette and Coralou. Three high gibbets had been erected above three unlit pyres of brushwood. De Rey prayed nonstop during the few moments he had to himself. As the final preparations began, DeRay gave encouragement to his accomplices. He told them God in his infinite goodness would pardon sin if the sinner was repentant. Quote unquote. And they ought very much to desire to be out of this world where there is nothing but misery. Unquote. Henriette and Coralou tearfully promised their master would rely on God's mercy. They in turn reassured DeRay. On his knees again, Gil de Rey asked for God's leniency. He stood and addressed the crowd, all shivering in the cold. With outstretched arms, Lord de Rey begged for forgiveness. He crossed himself, then gave his soul to the apostles St. James and St. Michael, and his heroine, Joan of Arc. De Rey gripped his hands together tightly, bent his head, and prayed to God once more. The hangman adjusted the noose around de Rey's neck. The funeral pyre was lit, with the fire becoming intense. The stool wasn't taken away as the ray dropped with the rope tightening around his neck. His agony was short as the ray died quickly. As flames from the dry branches engulfed the ray, his rope caught fire dropping him into the burning blaze. Six women from his extended family pulled the ray from the fire, washed it and placed it in a casket, transporting his remain to the Carmelite church. 36 years before, the church bells tolled with the joy at the ray's birth. Now cathedral bells tolled slowly, signifying his death. All who witnessed the race death began to sing the mournful hymn used for the departed, describing the day of judgment. While the three funeral pyres continued to smolder, workers threw the ashes of Henriette and Corilou into the wind. Baron Gilderay Trow astonished those who live in the 15th century of France. That a man of such power could be sentenced to crimes against God and the people was unheard of. That a wealthy, esteemed feudal aristocrat from such a lofty family could be found guilty by the church because of testimony given by poor, simple folk was unthinkable. God and justice had prevailed. Hateful feelings against the wicked nobleman evaporated. Moved by medieval charity, the humble did not gloat. Rather, in keep with Catholic morality, the people rejoiced. They cried and blessed Deray, who showed remorse, for his soul would not be damned to roam in hell internally. Deray's ultimate contrition transformed him from a sinner to one who would be with God. 
Gil Duray execution made an unimaginable impression on the crowd. Many with tears in their eyes, they prayed vehemently and fasted for three days for the salvation of the terrifying murder of those hundreds of children. Because of the Christian piety that DeRay showed at the end of his life, the bishop, conforming to the wishes of DeRay's daughter, authorized the erection of a memorial to commemorate the site where DeRay died. It was a tall crucifix with three religious figures resting at its base. The statue, known as Our Lady of the Milkmaker, became a place where pregnant women from all over France came to pray for good nourishment for their unborn children. That a monster who basically committed infanticide could be so sanctified is fucking ridiculous and beyond ironic but to many people this is not who DeRay was to many of these women Gil DeRay was Gil DeRay the, the penitent Gil DeRay the saved and Gil DeRay the exemplar a proud warrior who not only risked his life for his country but did so in the most exciting of ways here is a man who was raised in nobility and fought for all people, who went to battle as the country's only hope, only to come home a damaged, broken man. Gil DeRay, for them, was heaven sent. Bluebeard, on the other hand, that's a different story. And that is the end of fucking Gil DeRay. The fact that they made a fucking statue where pregnant women would travel from all over France to pray for him is fucking ridiculous. Now, now answer me this. Is it still there? I tried looking for it. I can't find it. I looked online. I looked for this Gil DeRay statue. Nothing. I looked up for the made in the milk maker. Nothing. If, it's just not if there If we no have more. people, fans who are from France, first of all, what's up? But second of all, it's in Nantes too, so it's in the. It should be at the Castle of Nantes. Uh huh. If anyone in France is close to Nantes, in the city of Nantes, take a picture of that for us. Um, but I'm. Send it. But I'm pretty sure. It, I mean, I couldn't find it. Yeah. I looked for it. I really want. I'm like, I want to see this fucking statue. I couldn't find it. Nah. It, it, maybe it tore down. I mean, this was fucking almost 600 years ago. But yeah. But I'm assuming they would have kept it because, believe it or not, the Castle of Tifuge, the Castle of Majacool. The Castle of Nantes, all these places are still there. They're still there, but they're tourist attractions. Oh shit! You go to the Castle of Bluebeard, which is the Castle of Tifus. Yeah, they're still so the the, the the fact that it's not there anymore is kind of weird. Mm. I just whether it's not there, whether it's there or not, I don't know. I just couldn't find any pictures of it. But that is the end of fucking Gilderay. Gilderay. I'm a little Bluebeard. like. I don't know, like, 
I've always been fascinated by the, by his fucking story. Just the whole roller coaster ride of his life, how he went being born as being one of the most important people in all of France, had a terrible childhood, went to the army as a fucking prodigy, helped France in its was France's like lone beacon of hope for the longest of time. Not only that, but fought next to the fucking Saint Joan of Arc and then go down this rabbit hole of fucking ridiculousness dealing with fucking wizards and saintness to finally killing hundreds of children it's ridiculous like we're not really a true like i'm not a true crime fan i'm not big on serial killers i'm not big on all of that it's just not for me it's, it was never for me i know about it but it's just not for me just, which is why we we're probably not going to cover too much too, too many things revolving around true crime this is probably as close as we're going to get to when it comes to murdering and things of that nature outside of huge figures like maybe Jack the Ripper or like Madame LaLaurie, like things of that. Yeah. But as far as like, but had a lot to do with the story and not with the death. Like his, his, his fucking life has everything you, you want in a story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And toward the end, the fact that they ended up re- fucking erecting a statue for him where people were fucking pregnant women to come pray for them for good luck. That's fucking True. nuts. True. You knew about Gil Ray from our previous podcast, right? Yeah. I want to know your thoughts, Josh. This is what I like the best. It was towards the end. Where you stated, here's a man who was raised in nobility and fought for all people. Who went to battle as your country's only hope. Only to come home damaged. A broken man. I felt that one. I was like, fuck. Just like you said, his story from coming from nobility. Being a fucking war hero. This isn't a, a rags to riches story. This is a riches to rags story. And <laughs> it is. Fuck. And then to be. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. For, dude, he was the, he was the man. Dude. And, and like, then the other. Uh, where is it at? Watch. With the bells. Jesse's going to be hearing this episode. He's going to add it to the bells. When they were cheering, ringing the bells for the birth of Drey. 36 years before and now. And 36 years later. Now yeah. for his death. It's now for his fucking death. Dude, it was, there, there, there are some parts I feel like a piece of shit, but I felt sorry for him. Like, not sorry for him, but I felt the sadness of, like, when he saw Prelati when, when he was walking to his room. And they were taking Prelati out, and he fucking hugged and kissed him. And he said, dude, like, this is the last time we're going to see each other. I was like, oh, fuck. And then the fact that when he, one of his requests was to have Corey Lou and Henriette with him. Yeah. So that they know that they didn't pay for his crimes alone. I'm like fuck, dude. Like, like, like. You would think when it comes to a psychopath of that fucking magnitude, he wouldn't think of the well-being of others. Yeah. But the fact that he went out of his way is like, no, I want them to know that they didn't die alone. That's what happens when you sober up after how many years? <laughs> that could be it, dude. Like, fuck. And like the book, no, oh, the Bluebeard by uh, Valerie Ogden. She like they mentioned it where they think it's it could be a do with schizophrenia and ptsd yeah that happened because he showed a lot of ptsd symptoms or whatever and that's mm-hmm. probably what made him go through the things he ended up going mm-hmm. but the, but like, like like my brother said there was some parts where i'm like oh fuck dude like damn this sucks but then immediately goes away we're like no no no, no. this dude raped hundreds of children this dude did all of this disgusting vile immoral shit yeah but that is that that is the story of fucking gilderay the one French nobleman who went to war as France's beacon of hope. So going back to Moses' question, 
What do you think of it? Or is it really just those quotes? I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It was great. And just from start to the end, man, it was, it was crazy. Because this was my first time mm-hmm. um, reading and dealing with it. Dealing with Gilda Ray. And, uh, it's cool, man. I liked it. it was, it's fucking like the first time I, I read about him, I was like, wait, 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 wait he did what? It oh, was, but then it's just crazy to me that, I mean, like, 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 like you, I'm not a big fan of serial killers, TBH, but it's crazy how someone is willing to go this far and like be chill with it. That is, that's insane. Well, I mean, remember, he wasn't too chill with it because remember, there were times where after he would kill the fucking kids. He would go out crying. Oh, I fucking feel bad. I'm gonna go do some pilgrimages, but then, but then he does bro- it again. But then when he started drinking, he's <laughs> like, like, when he started drinking, he's like, oh, what guilt? Shit. Yeah, he's like, oh shit. Let me get some of these children. Yeah, it was, he, he was a disgusting monster. That was crazy. It was horrible. Well, thank you guys for allowing us for joining us in this long roller coaster of a ride when it came to Gilda Ray. I'm sorry it took five episodes. It was oh. Originally going to be four, but then after doing redoing research, doing all of this shit, it was, I had to do five. I, yeah. I just had to do five. Yeah, and this, this is the type of series, to be quite honest with you, where you kind of need to take a break from it from a little bit before you jump into the next episode. So, we're not going to be doing a long series like this for a long, long while. We actually have, should we tell them what our next episode is going to be about? Tell them. All right, well, <laughs> we're not, tell well, we're staying in France for our next episode as yeah. we're going to be covering the catacombs of Paris. Tune in. So now, after this, we're back to our regular schedule. This episode's coming out on the 15th. So expect our next episode, to, our next episode to come out on the 1st. So from here, so from go, here going forward, if we have a multi-part series, expect expect that series to come out weekly. As not to keep you guys waiting. You know what I mean? That seems kind of I wouldn't like it. And I did. And I did it to you guys for three episodes. So I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but from here going forward, if we have any more multi-part series expect those to be weekly and we do have a few multi-part series in the works we have the salem witch trials that's gonna be a multi-parter that's gonna be a good we have one. jack the ripper we have madame la Lurie. we have um you guys don't know who madame la Lurie is huh yeah it's from uh, american horror story she she, she comes out in it but yeah. madame la Lurie is new orleans slave owner yeah i thought you said we're not doing any of those but the fact, no, but you, you literally just <laughs> no, said know, like but, five minutes ago, we're not going to do Jack the Ripper f- or. No, so we are doing Jack the no, Ripper. No, I mean, but we're not doing like. Oh, yeah. like, balls deep. Like, yeah. well, and, they're, and, and they're more like historical figures. They're like old timey. They have a lot to do with weird history. They're not fucking me. So we're fucking doing those. <laughs> All right, I mean, I'm just saying. It's, a, it's in our fucking said, like, name. So we're fucking going to do them. Huh? And then one of, the, one of the ones that I'm excited for. To do, and it's probably going to be one of our next multi-series subjects, is about Ru- the Russian Gulag. The Russian Gulag. The Russian Gulag is you know the Russian frozen area, the frozen area of fucking Russia that's way up north. Well, there was something. There's a little something called Cannibal Island. That's all I'm gonna say. Ooh. That's one of that's gonna be probably our next multi-series, multi-part series. It's not gonna be the next week. Maybe it's not gonna be a few episodes from now. But that's gonna be that's probably gonna be one of our next series. And again, this fucking five part series could not have been possible without the horrific crimes of Gilda Ray revisited, the life of a serial killer of the Middle Ages by Jack Smith. But more importantly, 
Our fucking backbone of this whole series was Valerie Ogden's Bluebeard, Brave Warrior, Brutal Psychopath. So please, if you guys want to know more, because even though we were in depth with the material, there's a lot of things I didn't want to get into just because I didn't think they were it related to the story. It would, I mean, it was interesting and there's cool things, but it just took us on a different route. And I wanted to stay on the route of fucking Gil Durant and his fucking disgusting brutal shit he would do. Yeah. So thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. And if you if you guys don't have anything else to add, I'm, I'm like I'm like those the the, the clergy or whatever. I'm hungry. <laughs> So, as that, uh, guys, thank you guys so much. And as always, we are the Weird History Iwi Tales Podcast. Dun, dun. <laughs>